Hello and welcome to the second instalment of the Ipswich Basketball Club podcast. I'm Rob Shatton and I'll be co-hosting this podcast along with Ben Scarlett. Ben and I are both coaches at IBC and we hope to bring you some entertaining, interesting, maybe even amusing content every week or so to help lighten the mood a little from our current environment. My guest today is Adam Robinson. Adam's just wrapped up his first season as IBC's senior men's head coach, his fourth as a head coach within the club. We'll get around to Adam's experience of this season shortly, but we'll start off by finding out more about his passion for the game and how he got started. Hope you enjoy. You are now listening to the Ipswich Basketball Podcast. Adam Robinson, Senior Head Coach of the Men's Side of the Programme for Ipswich Basketball Club. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. So let's jump straight in. The first question I, we want to ask everybody on these, uh, on these podcasts is, how did you get into basketball? Where did your love of the game start? A uh, long time ago. Um, I think I was in year eight at school, and I used to play a lot with my friends. Um, I kind of have to put it out there now, to no sort of level whatsoever, this was you know, uh, I guess, pick up basketball in its rawest form with no coaching, no ability, just the fact that we all had NBA jerseys. And then uh, we got friendly with a guy who moved over from the States in year, end of year eight, year nine. His mum had been posted locally and he came to our school um, and he was super into basketball. And our friendship group just kind of grew and he was kind of like the, the catalyst and the kind of figure point of our friendship group. And yeah, man, for five six years all the way up until six one before I disappeared we all dispersed to university we used to play basketball all the time whether that be before school lunch times there was a kind of a outdoor half court with a metal rim that we used to kind of spend most days after school and at weekends at so yeah I, I've been playing basketball and watching basketball and watching the NBA and following the NBA for as long as I can remember and then, of course, you all went off to university, like you said. Um, you went off to study um, to be a PT. You've got your qualifications as an S&C coach these days. And then you've obviously come back and your professional life has brought you all the way back around to basketball. So how did that kind of happen? And how did you get involved with IBA and IBC? Yeah, well, I've known Nick Drain for a long time. Put it in perspective, we share a cousin. So I don't know if that I don't think we're related. I mean, I think thankfully from both of our parts that we're not related, but we do uh, uh, share, um, share a cousin. So I knew, I knew Nick um, a long time when I was younger. Uh, so a long time ago, he, um, I remember him going off to Canada on a scholarship. And so when I started kind of coming back to Ipswich and working as a strength and conditioning coach, it so happened that our paths crossed in more professional uh, scenario and he was looking for um, a strength conditioning coach with the relevant qualification to help the academy I so happened to have the qualification that they were looking for I just finished working in um, Cambridge for the tennis association and it kind of just everything kind of fell into place from there so I, I, I then came and watched a couple of the um, senior teams at the time that Nick was coaching and it um, kind of just amazed me that there was this high-level basketball program in Ipswich that I had no idea was existed. Um, like I said, I knew who Nick was, but at the time I presumed he was just coaching basketball in primary schools, let alone 
a huge club with a senior team, getting crowds in. And then, yeah, so conversations went from there. I ended up coming to help out at the academy as a strength and conditioning coach. And my love for the sport got reignited. That would have been the time, I guess, when um, the men's team had probably its highest point of profile. Um, we're talking about the time when you had Lee and Lee Green and Tom Sadler, um, Luke Maskell Wright, Edson Ferreira, those guys playing. I mean, that's before, even before then, but yeah, I do remember that era. But no, when I first came in, it was it would have been Jake, Jake and Joel, Joel Keeble, Ben Mead, their last year before they disappeared off to university. Okay. Um, obviously, I think Luke, um, Sam Newman were kind of on the fringes of that as well. But Tom, Lee, Colin, Josh Johnson. So yeah, no, I, I watched the whole kind of um, from that era all the way to kind of the battles they had in Division Two, trying to get promotion with that group. So yeah, the real golden era of the men's team. Uh, man, it was awesome to watch. That's right about the time that I got involved with the club as well. So I've um, I've been around IBC, I think possibly a year less than you. Um, I didn't see Ben and Joel before those guys went off the first time. But um, yeah, I can remember the vibe around the men's team at that time. And it had a huge profile. It was really exciting to be around. Oh, it was awesome fun, awesome fun. Um, and I guess some of the kids that I'm, I'm kind of coaching now probably were in the crowd as, as little and watching those guys play just amazing how quickly time goes doesn't it absolutely absolutely so from that early experience of being involved with the academy over that first couple of years you ended up kind of graduating to being a club coach if you like and getting the, getting the bug for for coaching yourself yeah. how did you find your first experiences because your first couple of years were under 16 level oh man loved it loved it um so i, I i've been going around the country with um Nick and Tom Sadler with the academy for a number of years and as you know as is the ever-changing dynamics of club basketball is coaches come and go players come and go and there was a um my first year actually before that was I was I was coaching the under 18 girls so I'd taken the academy girls at a weekend because Nick obviously had his commitments with the senior senior men so I, I did a that, yeah yeah so I did a year with um and that team had Ashley Pink, Mayor Price, Fred Cooney. So it was all, um, it was kind of the, the, the group that went into that amazing undefeated season that Nick had when he moved over to the women's program. I remember Esther Little and Ella Pearson were playing as under 16s as well. So that was my first um, experience. But we didn't really do much training because obviously all their training was done during the week at the academy. So I would take them to the weekends. Um, and man, that was, a, that was an awesome experience. We had a really good season. Um, I think we went to, the, went to the first round of the playoffs and just missed out uh, an away game to Oakland, I think, remember. But man, that, that was a lot of fun. But then the year after that, you're absolutely right, was my um, first year as a kind of a fully-fledged head coach. And that was um, with the under-16 level, yeah. Your first three seasons then as a junior coach... You had that uh, incredible group of, of um, girls in your first season. And as yeah. you said, we all know what they've gone on to, uh, you know, as part of the women's program uh, with Nick over the last couple of years, some outstanding, yeah. outstanding achievements. Yeah. Um, then you had Ethan Price um, and his age group yeah. at under 16s in the first yeah. year. Yeah. And then you had Harry Syrah and Seb Moby in the second season. Yeah, that's right. Here's an unfair question for you. Which one was your favourite? Oh, 
season that it is, not player. Sorry. Favorite season. <laughs> I mean, to be, I mean, it's probably unfair to compare them, but I, I the first season of the sixteens when we we went to final fours, um, and that's also not to put a downer on the second group of under sixteens that I had, that one that you alluded to with Harry and Seb, because they were with me the first season as first years. Um, so I, I kind of that that group that I had for those two years, I kind of class as the um, as as one group. But yeah, that first season under sixteens, um, we went to final fours, finished third in the country. I mean, that was a that was a hell of a journey. I had Nick Newman assisting me, which was great fun. So to have a good friend kind of coming around the country with me and helping out, and yeah, man, I mean, you, we sucked that season as well to start off with. Like the first, <laughs> we, I think we were. Owen five or Owen six, um, and then the turnaround that those boys made that year was just incredible. To kind of then to finish where we we did was um, that was awesome. And then I, I believe obviously that uh, golden generation of girls that we have at the moment were the same age as these under sixteen. So to go to that final four and have that both the girls team and the boys team there, so the whole club kind of came and watched us and followed us for that week. That was that was good fun. I can remember that turnaround um, that you're talking about. So one of my roles at the club, obviously, is writing the junior wrap-up yeah. on a weekly basis. So I can kind of loosely remember everybody's journey through the last two or three seasons. Yeah. And I remember writing your your wraps in the first half of that year, and it was like, you know, a, kind of another underwhelming performance. These were your words, by the way, not mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> another underwhelming performance by the under 16s then out 0 and 4 etc and then after christmas it was just win 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 yeah and like you say to take that team all the way to the final fours that must have been really exciting it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun and again it was my kind of first experience of kind of being a fully fledged club coach you know giving up two evenings a week outside of the academy and obviously my my work commitments to then also go around the country we were in a tough uh south conference that year as well so to kind of start meeting some some of the coaches that i kind of see around the country now and some of the players that have kind of grown up and that are playing at other other programs and other senior level it was um yeah it was, it was a really really good experience put it in a sentence for me why we do this because it took my uh i know it took my family the first couple of seasons of me coaching uh when i was at the under 18 level with aaron mcdonald trying yeah. to explain to them what it was that motivated me to volunteer my time to go around the country to give up time for training every week. Try, I know what I know what it was for me, but I want to hear your reason for why we do it. Man, that's a that's a good one. That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to I guess there would be. Two, I'd probably have two answers to that. After an experience with the seniors, I think my answer for working with seniors is very different to working with juniors. But in the junior program, there's almost this kind of addiction that you want to see, wanting to see these kids develop and grow, particularly at that under 16 group. Because you're actually seeing kids grow up before your eyes. And I, I think that's kind of, and I don't know if that's because I've come from my uh, academy background as well, as I just seeing these kids develop and grow is, is, I think, the main reason that I do it. That was way more than one sentence. Yeah, but I pretty much agree with the reason that you gave me. So it's twofold for me. I think the the access to a higher level of basketball is one of the reasons for me. Like I was a 
was because I haven't played in a year and a half now. I was a terrible local league player playing at the bottom end of local league. And then to have access to this, you know, my first experience was under 18s. We went to the last eights two years in a row with Aaron. It's so eye-opening. Yeah, um, man, so some of these some of these kids, I mean, within our own club, but also at these other programs, some of these kids are so good, aren't they? It's, it's crazy. I remember writing some of your box scores um, in your two years with the under-16s, and you had it with Ethan the first year, and then Harry pretty much repeated it. Or it'd be 35 points and 25 rebounds or Ethan, I remember having a hundred points in a weekend at some point when you had a double header. It's just, yeah. it's just so eye opening to watch. Yeah. He's pretty good. <laughs> we don't want to get too far down that road. Cause no doubt we'll try and get Ethan on here for one of these at some point. So um, you've continued to be involved with the Academy over the last, last two or three years while you've become a club coach as well. Have you yeah. benefited? Do you think, do you think it benefits your coaching style much from seeing the kids on a more regular basis as an S&C coach and from working with them alongside Nick? Yes, is, is the short answer. With regards to coaching style, um, I still think I'm, I, I would see myself as such a new to the game in terms. So I, I still think I'm probably figuring that out. And having worked with three very different teams, I've had to coach three different ways, which has been brilliant. But Working with Nick and working with these kids um, on a regular basis, 100% um, has an impact on the way I coach, but it also helps me improve dramatically. And I'm very lucky at that point because I know that even before I started kind of coaching, um, basketball coaching, that is when I was just sitting on the bench as the strength and conditioning coach and, you know, as kind of the qualified first aider that's just there to kind of warm the kids up. I was already learning stuff and I hadn't even decided that I wanted to pursue basketball coaching. So the fact that I get to do that every day really, really helps. And um, I, I certainly don't take that for granted. Do you watch any other levels of basketball and, and find yourself now trying to draw inspiration for how you might approach certain situations or watching coaching adjustments and trying to learn from it? I, I, I do. Um, and I certainly had them. I try not to do it when I watch the NBA, if I'm brutally honest with you, because I, I try to kind of have this, what got me into basketball is, is watching the NBA with my mates and, you know, wearing our jerseys as kids and kind of watching Kobe and Shaq. And so I've got very fond memories of that from my childhood. So when I watch the NBA, I still try to watch it as just a fan. Um, plus also, if you're going to watch it from a coaching point of view, it's, they play every game in the regular season as a pre-season game. So you're not particularly going to learn too much from that. But no, when I watch um, other coaches, whether it be NBL or uh, European basketball or BBL, I certainly take more note on what's happening on court from a technical and tactical point of view more than I would have in the past. And you've obviously had access to doing that at different levels now because you've been involved once or twice with the GB programme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very fortunate for that as well. Um, and again, because I was kind of starting my coaching journey, even though being involved with the GB setup, what was, again, from a strength and conditioning point of view, um, the role of a strength and conditioning coach in the GB setup, a lot of your work is done in between the camps. So when you're there, again, you're there just to kind of warm up and kind of look after the athlete. So there's a lot of time where I just get to watch coach you know watch very experienced coaches coach which is um it's been awesome you know I've always made sure that I've had a notebook with me I've always kind of 
had a keen eye. I've always asked the coaches whether I can sit in on team meetings and things like that. And um, they've always been really accommodating to that. So yeah, I've um, I've learned a lot in a short period of time, which is um, again, it's been incredibly helpful. You also have access, as far as um, sort of elite level sport goes, to other sports in the local area as well, because it, it's one of the main focuses of your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've worked in loads of different. I mean, locally, a lot of the high level sport we have is is this similar sort of age to that academy sort of age. So it's kind of nineteen and under. But we've had professional hockey players come in. We've got a professional skier that. Um, works out at the gym that that i run and seeing the level of dedication that these other sports men and women um at varying levels do is yeah it's another eye-opening experience um and again i I, i'm always trying to take as much um information from uh, people as i can regardless of what sport regardless of what profession they do as well because i mean some of the people walk into the gym have nothing to do with um uh, sport but you know particularly when you're kind of involved in such a big club like Ipswich basketball is if you can kind of take um take advice from people that have kind of got varying experiences from the world of business for example I'm, whether you're working within a team sport or within the club setting I, I'm there's certainly a uh, things that you can take from from those people and that's um one of the the perks of my job is you know there's a lot of communication with a lot of different people so you take all of that information that you've acquired then from three years of junior coaching from working with nick in the academy gb level and elite sports people in other sports and applying it to your first year as a senior head coach what was the biggest difference for you senior versus junior head coaching the biggest difference that's a good question man um so the biggest difference for me is that you have players that aren't necessarily there to be developed as much as obviously it would be if you're working with juniors. So you are working. I mean, we've had a couple of guys this year as well that they're already pretty good. And what you're trying to do is get a bunch of people, a bunch of players, some of them, well, you know, some of them that are in their late 20s to 30s, some that are in 19 to 20, and you are trying to bring this group of people together for the purpose of winning. And I think that is probably the biggest difference, that it is far more results-based than it is that of development. How did you find it? I loved it. Excellent. And I, the, the pause is not to take it away from... I absolutely loved it, but I will not be lying. It was tough, really <laughs> tough. Because there's got to be a lot of adjustments to make, right? I mean, do you, have you changed your, um, I know we said you're still trying to develop like a coaching style, but have you changed your approach to coaching a team this year? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I did. And I, I, I don't think I went in there with the intention of doing it. If I'm brutally honest, when I turned up on day one, of uh, of preseason, I just you know I had all I'm very thorough in my planning, kind of my ideas of of what I would like to achieve, and it quite I quite quickly realised that you can't plan the dynamics of a senior season change all the time, whether that be additions to your roster or injuries or 
you know, the, the opposition that you're playing will turn up with a player that you have not expected to be there or teams end up being a lot better than you expected them to be. I've, I've naturally, I think, had to change as the season has gone on, um, sometimes week to week. Um, and that certainly took me by surprise because I, I had it in my head that this is how we're going to do it this season. And it's been very much totally different to what I originally planned, but um, not necessarily in a bad way, but it's, uh, it certainly took me by surprise. I mean, that happened before the season even started for us, didn't it? So when we came in, obviously, as your assistant this year, when we came into the start of the season, we were looking at having an extremely young roster, probably only bringing back two to three seniors from last season. And then before the season even starts, and really quite close to the start of the season, we have Luke Maskell, right? And then Jake Einan sort of pitching up and, and joining the team. And it changed the dynamic pretty much straight away. Absolutely. And I think that's that, that it, and it probably changed the dynamic from, from our point or my point as a, as a coaching book. Because like I said, I'd, I'd had this plan and what we're going to do. It's not there. In terms of the, the basketball, of, of course, it improved dramatically. But yeah, all your best laid plans that you can put out and you can have session plans, spreadsheets and, you know, all the, all these theories about kind of what you want to implement. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, two additions to your roster and you've got to totally scrap that all up and start again. But then that would happen numerous times throughout the season as well. And I think, to go back to the original question, that has definitely been the biggest cha- challenge. We didn't have a particularly productive preseason either, did we? I don't know if you remember, because we had, we had two preseason games to play. We had yeah. essentially half of the senior team of about seven or eight available for one game and then the other half available for the other game. Yeah. So I think I didn't I go on holiday halfway between that as well or uh, something like that as well. So you know, here's me. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't gonna mention that, but you very much yeah. weren't weren't there for both of the preseason games. <laughs> but again it but again, man, isn't that, I guess that also proves it's the the reality of, of the level that we're coaching at. You know, we we take it as seriously as we can. We put all this planning and these things in place, but the, you know, we are still just you know, volunteers trying to do this along, alongside everything else that we do. And it's just an, a, an additional challenge. And you're right. Yeah. The uh, preseason was all over the place, <laughs> all over the place, but Hey, we, it, it turned out right in the end, didn't it? Absolutely. It did. So I've got our, uh, I've got our results in front of me. If we kind of go through the season in segments, cause there are kind of three, three parts of the season for me. So we started off uh, on a bit of a kind of, up and down. I think after uh, eight games or seven games, we were about four and four, five and four. Yeah. What was that early stage of the season like for you trying to sort of figure out how to put this roster together as we got everybody healthy? Because obviously, you know, we had Ethan, we didn't have a great deal of depth up front this season and we had Ethan missing the first sort of, uh, what, four or five games? It was Cardiff, wasn't it, his first game? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think from a, player personnel point of view, that was a big reason. Um, and I think our mentality and even the players and the coaching staff and everyone around that knew that we were getting this big piece coming back. And it was almost trying to kind of get through to that point in which he was going to come back to the roster. But um, again, it would, I, I think the big part was trying to understand the best way to play with the roster that we had. We, we were undersized. Um, like I said, there was a vast difference in experience that we had. Some of the guys that weren't potentially getting major minutes 
last year some of the seniors returned were now playing a lot and I think you, I think I 100% underestimated you know kind of the difference that that makes and then obviously then trying to fit in some of the talented academy players that also hadn't played with each other for very long and to put that alongside their other team season that they're having it was um it was it was kind of a, a feeling out uh, sort of stage of the season um, and I think we coped with it pretty well but I think everyone involved it was players and staff it was we're looking at that and thinking right how are we going to make this work so end of November we have that seven point win over our local rivals Essex Rebels at home mm-hmm. our last game before Christmas is the road trip up to London Pioneers which we probably yeah. don't need to talk about in any greater detail no, that's, that's I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. <laughs> and then we go on and we win four in a row and five out of the next six. Yeah, man. I struggle to put my finger on why we played so. Why there was such a, a varying in performances from not only the kind of middle of the season to the beginning of the season, but also some of the games when we were away from home where we were just dreadful. And then some of the times when we were at home, we were brilliant in patches but then at other times and I, I think it might if you compare it to we've just discussed the disorganization of a pre-season but also we are putting a team together with basically of whatever we can get I, I do think looking back now that probably had an impact on it and then by the point when you get to that mid time midpoint of the season they're all familiar. The players are familiar with each other. The players are familiar with their new coach, with the coaching staff, with the with the scheduling. And I just think we've got into a flood. And winning does solve a lot of issues that you may have. Now I don't think the issues that we had on court were drastic, but it was. It was trying to get these 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 guys to play together. And when you're winning games, I think it becomes easier for them to um, to blend. Obviously, we know that you know we, we had a couple of losses on the bounce towards the end of the season, but we were still looking like being in position for the playoffs and getting to, to go on a road trip probably up north somewhere for the playoffs. Yeah. How did you feel about the way that the season has obviously quite abruptly come to a halt? I mean, from an overall standpoint, it's, it's almost irrelevant because there's far more important things going on in the world. And I think everyone is, probably shares those feelings. I think from a, if we're purely just looking at the basketball, it felt it like a little bit of an anticlimax. And what I mean by that is I don't think we got the opportunity to kind of actually celebrate how well we had done this year. And I think all of us kind of... Because let's just let's not put it Our goal at the beginning of the year was not to challenge for the Division Two title. It was to bounce back after a, a disappointing year last year and get a new team together and let's create some positivity around the team and let's try and let's just get as far as we can and if we can squeak, squeak into the playoffs at the end of the season that will be a significant success and the fact with two or three games left of the season we are still potentially in a very strong position to win the Division 2 Um you look back on that now and you think it was a it was a really, really successful season. And I think for it just to kind of abruptly end like that, we didn't get the opportunity to celebrate how good a season it was. And a playoff playoff fixture would have certainly been the opportunity to do that. Just I've just had a quick look back through Division Two over the last few years. And obviously so we finished ten and seven. It's it's the club's best record for four seasons. 
in the playoffs, even though there's only one team in our division that's actually managed to complete its schedule of games. So hopefully as you start to think about your second season as a, as a Division Two men's coach, whenever that may start now, that gives you some confidence going into the future that we can put something similar together next year? Oh, definitely. And I will definitely be more confident going into my next year. Because I think if now, now, and I haven't really reflected it maybe as much as I should have until we've just had this conversation, but kind of looking back on it now, I think that, a big part of that would be it's it's my it's a big jump from work coming from junior basketball as a coach, and I do think I'm a big believer that a lot of it has to fall with the coach, and I think the season has probably gone exactly how I have. It's kind of um, so. What I mean by that is the feelings I have had towards the basketball, towards the team, towards the season, and how much of a eye opener it's been for me. And we've discussed how we've kind of had to change and kind of work off the cuff depending on the situations that we've been given I, I think that probably sums up our season it's been some real highs some lows but overall I think it's um it will it will do exactly that build us some confidence to make sure that we can um we can with the continued success in the uh, next season to come so with that all in mind with one season in the bag at senior level with another one coming up have you had any thoughts about how far you want to try and take your basketball coaching so it's it's the, the question comes out from it being obviously a hobby for a lot of us, but with Nick having shown that um, there are options to, to coach at the professional level and to do it as a full-time job, is that something you consider in the future? It is something I've thought about, and, and I'd be lying if I said I had it. I mean, of course, there are so many external factors that would play a part in that. I mean, I'm very happy with what I'm doing, and I think I've got a real real nice balance of being able to coach at a really high level with some really good people, some really talented players. But yeah, I mean, one thing that might, might, I guess, tickle my fancy is potentially, I'd like to see what it's like potentially working within the uh, a, a, a national team setup, but not necessarily with my strength and conditioning hat on. So I've been to numerous regional tournaments camps gb camps england camps and i've always kind of had my strength and conditioning hat on and that's been my main responsibility uh, to maybe go on the other side as an apprentice coach or some form of assistant that may be something that would interest me kind of move away from one side of my profession and kind of solely focus on basketball but no right now i'm um, quite happy with the fact that i get to work in an elite setting but it gets to fit in with I guess my life and my profession. Um, but no, I, there's, I've certainly thought about it much as, you know, can, can basketball lead to some future opportunities and coaching? And like you said, as Nick has proven, it, it certainly can. So yeah, why not? And alongside all of the coaching, you're still running the sports, um, the strength and conditioning with a, a basketball hat on and you've developed the become an athlete program. Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, Become an Athlete is a, it's, well, trying to explain it kind of without, Become an Athlete is basically a strength and conditioning um, program designed for juniors. So I, I run a, a gym called Ipswich Strength and Conditioning, which is the senior setup side of things, which is, you know, without going into so much detail, it's a, it's a gym which um, uh, provides for, for all, whether that be, you know, a regular gym goer or that of local professional and semi-professional athletes. The Become an Athlete element of that is that, of a junior setup. So we offer 
specific exercise to sport from the ages of 12 to 17 and sometimes even younger depending on the sport and the and the group so we go into schools and uh, we get different sports teams in and yeah a lot of the Ipswich basketball juniors have um, come into the gym at some point in their uh, their development and we, we we work with them on their kind of off-court uh, training. And what's next for ISC? Obviously you're as affected as everybody else right now by the current parameters that we're living under but when we do get round to life as normal again and you're reopening what's next for ISC? Yeah I mean it's um it has been, but you're right it's been a tough couple of weeks but it's for everyone the, the plan for when we we reopen is we want to kind of continue to develop what we've already started which is that of not of online training I think is the easiest way to describe it so we now offer our strength conditioning package to athletes and people outside of the local literature demographic. One of the easiest examples is to show that me and my colleague have been delivering the strength and conditioning for the East Region uh, Aspire program with Basketball England. So what we want to do is we want to push that further. So we have a uh, an app um, in which we can deliver strength and conditioning programs through, which have exercise tutorials. What I'd like to do is take the success of the gym that I've got, take the success of what we, uh, I and the team of ISC offer at Ipswich Basketball Academy and offer that to, to more teams and more organisations so we can get a wide, wider reach, um, particularly of that in sport, because that is not only my passion, it's kind of where our, our niche is. And um, yeah, we've got a really good service, I think, on offer. So it's just the case of uh, getting more people to hear about it. Excellent. All right. And my final question, Adam, thanks very much for your time with us. My last question is going to be uh, anything you want to plug. So we started this in our first episode uh, with Ben and Jack and Jack was plugging his own, uh, his podcast business as usual. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have you got either any content that you're involved in that you'd like to plug or anything that you, you have found that fills some of the time that we're living with at the moment? So a podcast or a subscription or anything like that that you think um, other IBC members might be interested in? Well, I mean, the obvious one is, man, if you want to check out, um, check out Become an Athlete in Ipswich Strength and Conditioning on Twitter and Facebook, we are offering online programs to um, IBC. Uh, so we've got online strength and conditioning programs for all IBC members, junior and senior, if they want it, that's free. And there's actually a, a free code if you type in IBC home and you follow the various links that we have posted on our social media you'll be able to download a free exercise program to kind of help you up and fill your time with regards to subscriptions and things like that man no I other than my business I don't think anything needs to particularly get plugged I think it's more important in these times that people kind of stay healthy stay safe and kind of um enjoy the people around them and kind of take in the what's important in life because um that's what's become important to me over these last few weeks is it's really been a, a real eye-opener in terms of there are some more far more important things than whether it be business and dare i say basketball as well so i mean just just take the time to kind of be with family look after your health and try and in, in you know enjoy things that you 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 like doing even though they, some of them might be particularly limited at this moment. 
Amen to that. I can't think of a better way to end it than that. Thank you very much, Adam. Thanks a lot for your time. So if you want to join Adam's uh, Become an Athlete program, check them out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and use the code IBC Home to get yourself a free workout program. Adam, thanks very much again for giving us your time today. Really appreciate no it. No problem. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon.